You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information visit commongroundcma.org. All right, hopefully if you do have a Bible with you, you can open it up to Psalm 46, because that's where we're going to be tonight, the 46th Psalm. I still have a little bit of bread stuck here, so... Again, welcome to Refuge. Uh, I'm Nick. Uh, glad to see you guys here. reason we do what we do on a Friday night is because um, we think that following Jesus is more than just passively checking in and checking out um, to a church service. You know, our, our culture makes us consumers more than it does contributors. And, and we set up this service so that you can be a contributor. And that's why you're sitting around tables and you're going to be talking about what God's Word has to say. You're not just going to be listening uh, to somebody else uh, talk about what God's word says. We also believe that being uber connected in our culture does not necessarily mean you aren't lonely. And that's another reason you're sitting at tables and actually facing each other and interacting. That's why you're you're, you're sharing your crappies and your not so crappies. Uh, And you can rhyme it however you want. (laughs) And, And actually talking about life because you know, that's, that's what helps us to, to really connect with people. And, uh, we also believe that this world really grinds us down in busyness. And, uh, and we think that God is calling us to rest and not just rest, but rest in Him. So what a great opportunity. Right now, you can lay down your week. You can lay down all the busyness of it and say, God, let, I, let's just rest now. And, and I want to rest in you. So, so this is a great opportunity and thanks for coming and joining us. So as we get ready to jump into Psalm 46, I want to ask a question, and you can think about this, you don't necessarily have to answer it. Um, have you ever had, was there ever a time where you had somebody stand up for you when the bully came at you? Okay? Can you, can you, can you recall a time when... You know, life wasn't looking too good. <laughs> there was a, an, an impending threat. Uh, there was there was a, 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 a breakdown of everything good, and it was about to roll over you. And then someone came along and got in between you and that threat. Got in between you and that accuser. Got in between you and maybe that um, that scary thing. Uh, that was coming your way in life. Can you recall a time like that? You might even go back to the schoolyard. We had, we had a schoolyard bully. His name was Gary. Uh, when I was, you know, like in second, third grade, Gary, Gary looked like he was an adult. You know, I, I can never understand why he was, he could, and he looked like a big adult. <laughs> you know, and you know, there's, there was no standing up to Gary because it would take the whole class to do it. I mean, I'm sure he could shake off all 20 of us if, if we, if we jumped him or something. So, so Gary was scary kind of thing. And he sat behind me in class and he was doing that thing where he was ramming his desktop over the top of my chair so that it was hitting me in the shoulder blades and it was really annoying and it hurt and I was scared to death because it doesn't matter if I tell him to stop, he's not going to listen to me because, you know, I was a tiny little guy in, in elementary school and, uh, and and there was just nothing I could do and I, and I tried to tell him, I, you know, I asked him to stop, begging him to stop and I'm just, I'm just terrified while this is going on and suddenly Mrs. Sisson, my teacher, General Sunday School teacher at Westminster Presbyterian Church at the time came up and she told Gary to stop doing what he was doing and he mouthed off to her and she grabbed him by the collar, stood him up and wham across one cheek and backhanded across the other. That's back in the days when you could do that and nobody would sue, right? <laughs> and I mean, it, there, there was no air in the classroom because every kid in that classroom just went... <laughs> like that because, you know, feeble, frail, little old lady, Mrs. Sisson, just just smacked Gary twice. (laughs) And Gary sat down and and I actually started to feel bad for him because he just cried. He He just cried because a teacher had actually struck him and called him where he was at. But at the same time, while I felt bad for Gary, I was like going, wow, Mrs. Sisson stood up for me. So I paid attention in Sunday school class that that Sunday. <laughs> you know, 
But that, that is an amazing feeling, and I can probably recount lots and lots of other times where, um, where things weren't going too well in life, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody shows up and actually stands up for me. And we're going to look at that at Psalm 46. So, open your Bibles, look at Psalm 46. Now, you're going to notice there's always a little heading, you know, and, and that looks like instructions for playing the song, because a psalm is a song, which is a prayer in musical form. So it's poetry. Keep all those things in mind. Please understand that th- that this was originally written. This wasn't added to the scriptures. This was part of the scriptures. So it's always good to look and see what it says there. So at the top of Psalm 46, it should say, for the music director. You know, that makes sense. We got a song. We're going to give it to the music director. That means they're probably going to use it for public worship amongst the Jews. For the music director of or by the Korahites. Okay. This was a song written by the Korahites. Not every psalm was written by David. Some were written by other people or individuals. The Korahites, all I know about them was that they were of the line of the Levites, the clan of the Levites. And if you go all the way back to Exodus, you're going to see that they were given an important task. Okay. And I was confused. I thought their task was just carting the, 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 the tabernacle around. You know, but it was more than that. When the tabernacle was set up and when the temple, which was the, you know, the tabernacle was a temporary temple. When the temple was finally built, their job was to be the gatekeepers and guard God's dwelling place. So that was very important work. So imagine this. These warriors were also songwriters. But this song wasn't written for them to sing because as we read on, it says this. Uh, by the Korthites, according to the Alamoth style. Now that one really threw me, that Alamoth style. I had to look up and see what that was and I found in other parts of scripture that word is actually used and it seems to be describing a harp, a musical instrument, a certain kind of harp. Apparently this harp had very kind of a high-pitched uh, sound to it rather than most harps, which was a little bit lower. You might remember that David played a harp for King Saul and it drove out the, the evil spirits, the demons that was troubling Saul. So it might be that they meant for these harps to be played, but it also means this, the Almoth style meant that it was to be sung by the virgins, the girls. That meant it was probably sung high-keyed soprano. So can you imagine this? A bunch of warriors wrote a song that they wanted to hear the girls sing. Okay? Let's keep that in mind as we go through this, because I always wondered, why was that in there? <laughs> you know, why did we need to know that? I don't know if we did or not, but it was there, and so I thought we should read it, and then we get to verse 1. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, it looks like, and then we're going to get to a Selah. And a Selah is just an instruction given in the Hebrew that means stop, pause, reflect, uh, soak this in for a minute. And during that Selah, you guys at the table are going to talk about what we just read. Um, you're going you're gonna to do the discovery work. You're going to be digging some stuff up, and then we're going to share that, okay? So here's the first one. Verse 1. God is our strong refuge. He is truly our helper in times of trouble. For this reason, we do not fear when the earth shakes and the mountains tumble into the depths of the sea. When its waves crash and foam and the mountains shake before the surging sea. Selah. Okay? Take a minute and talk about that. You know, and you might think about this too while you're looking at this. When life begins to unravel, where or what is typically your safe place? Okay? When, when, when the bullies threaten or when, when life doesn't go the way we think it should go, where do we tend to run for safety? in this world. So, not that you have to answer that question, but think about that while you're discussing what you just read in Psalm 46. Go ahead. Yeah, 
that you want to discuss, we're going to allow you to do that when we're all done here, too. You're free to go and do that some more. I knew it was time to stop and hear Matt talking about Bon Jovi or something. So, <laughs> was it, Did I hear that right? Or? Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, so a little feedback from the tables now. What, what, what were you talking about? What was something that kind of jumped out at you while you were reading that first couple of verses out of Psalm 46? Don't be bashful. This is, this is the chance for you guys get to enlighten us and, and enlighten me too. What's something that uh, that spoke to you in that that portion? What's something you talked about at your table? One thing we talked about was um, how God paints this picture of He's our He's our refuge and strength uh, and help in trouble, and then He paints this picture of the worst thing that He could possibly think of. I mean, literally, they're just falling apart in this imagery here. And then, like, you think about times where, like, oh, God doesn't care about my problems. He doesn't care about my test or my relationships. But God can protect you in the storm and all of this. I'm sure God can protect you in the smaller things. Okay. All right. Yeah, isn't that cool that from the get-go, God says, hey, this is who I am. Before he even starts describing what life could be like, he just says, this is who I am. Okay. Good. All right. Somebody else. Another table. Jack. Um, I, I was. I, it was kind of my opinion, so these guys probably. Uh, but but um. But but what but um about the the first verse? It's kind of like you know most like you know secularists would try to you know say like oh it's um it's like you know just like it's sort of like this you know like it's all it's not God's help. It's all about human, you know, strength, and, but, um, but, uh, like, like he said there about how kind of, like, he used some extreme examples to, like, you know, show, because in America, we're very privileged in thinking that the problems that we overcome are, are all on our own, and so that's the case, but when you look at, like, all the rest of the world and history about how these horrible events that happened, and yet, and yet, some of it, it's just like it wasn't a coincidence that, like, you know, like men stepped up to fight these evils. Um, like, it wasn't like it wasn't because of our, you know, because one man, you know, like it wasn't because of, of you know, pride. It was because of like, you know, like people in the right position at the right time from God. It's kind of like that's God's way of like showing that. You know, like, it's not really man's power, but it's mostly, like, God's power that to put the right people at the right place at the right time. Okay. All right. Yeah, and there's many ways that God can show that he's a refuge and a strong uh, rescuer to us. And putting people in the right place at the right time is one way. But one of the things we learned, too, that you kind of brought up when you engaged the Bible is that we live in a culture where we think we can fix everything. You know, it's up to us. We we can do this, and then as soon as we get into the scripture, one of the things we have to admit is, hey, there's some things I'm, I can't fix. There, there's times when, when I need somebody to come in and help me, and, and I need to know who that is, who, who's, who's that, or what's going to be that source of help in time of trouble. So, good. Okay. Any, any other, anything to add from the other tables? That's kind of the thought that um, we had over here as well is, um, that sometimes, and I know you were saying specifically that sometimes things happen in life and, and you feel like you have to take care of them. God's putting it on your plate to take care of it and you've got to do it. But sometimes he's not. He's, you just have to be patient, sit on your hands and let him work and just trust in him. Okay, yeah, how, how about this concept, all right? Instead of God giving you something for you to take care of, how about God gives you something to see if you'll turn to Him? 
and rely on him in that that very tough, difficult time. Hmm. That's that's good stuff to think about. Okay, you guys did a good job of unwrapping that. Just a few other observations out of this passage. Um, like was already pointed out, we see that, that God immediately identifies himself as a strong refuge and um, and a helper when trouble comes our way. And isn't it good to know that's who God is? Again, we often get a concept or a caricature of God that's opposite from that. And, and right away from the get-go in the beginning of this, this poem, he wants us to know, hey, this is who I am and I'm here, for, I'm here for you. I am here for you. Okay? Something else too, did you notice the language that was used in this passage? Okay? What, what, what kind of language were you seeing here? In this, okay, imagery. Yeah, in this poem, there's lots of poetic imagery that's showing up here, and it's good to 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 stop and park on that for a minute and understand that because you can interpret this two ways. Okay, a lot of scripture uh, works this way where there's kind of a dual interpretation that's still both correct. And one is is that you see the natural sense, like literal mountains and seas and things like that. If you've ever been out in the sea when a storm comes, that is scary business, and it's good to know that somebody can help you, that God is there to help you. But the sea can mean something else as well as the mountains. So it's both it has both a natural interpretation and it has a supernatural interpretation, meaning that 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 that's poetic language being used to paint a bigger picture of something else. It's figurative. Um, when, when you see words like earth, okay, um, that's referring to the nations of the earth. It's, it's referring to all the peoples of, of the earth. And when you see words like mountains and sea, in Hebrew literature, that was or, or poems, that was often used to talk about mighty kingdoms and peoples. All right. So you can interpret this as, oh my goodness, there's natural disaster heading my way. It's a good thing God is our strength and our refuge and our helper. But you can also interpret it in a way that says, when this whole world just seems to go all wonky and evil seems to be reigning throughout all the nations of this world, God is our ever-present help during those times. It's believed by a lot of interpreters that this particular psalm was written about the days of Hezekiah. And in the days of King Hezekiah, there was a nation, an empire, the Assyrian Empire, which was one of the most brutal, gruesome empires to exist. And uh, when they would sweep into a town, they would leave the populace impaled on stakes. And that's probably some of the nicest things that the Assyrians did. And again, you know, when we live in America, we kind of think we're safe and everything's good and things like that. But there's plenty of places in the world where nations are rising up against each other and all sorts of atrocities are being committed. And, uh, you know, we, we should not rest too secure, you know, just because we're the United States of America. We should not think, oh, we're untouchable. What if something like that, what if a nation were to rise up against us like they were against the, the, the Israelites in that day? Would we be able to say, man, God is our help. God is our help. Okay, so there's that picture that's being presented there, and there's lots of violent terms that are showing up in this. There's shaking, there's tumbling, there's crashing, there's foaming, there's there's surging. So you get an idea of how they're describing the evil that that can that rises up and erupts in, into our world. So when it when it seems that all the world is crumbling, or um, or, or that all the world might be rising up against you, uh, you need a refuge. Um, you need a you need a helper in those times, and we have to ask this question: Where do I go for that refuge? Where do I where do I find that help? Is it God, or is it something in this world? And I'll be the first one to admit that all too often I'm looking for something in this world to come to my assistance, to come to my rescue, to 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 make things right, to fix the situation for me. All right. Well, the psalm's not done. It moves on. Um, think about this for a minute. Um, you've often heard the question, like, if you had, if if finances were not an issue, what would you do? Kind of thing. If if money were were not an issue, what would you do? Um, well, let me ask the question this way: 
If you knew for dead certain that God was on your side, what would you dare to endeavor? If you knew with absolute certainty that God was on your side, what would you dare to endeavor? Okay, so keep that in mind. Let's read the the next few verses here, beginning with verse 4. The river channels bring joy to the city of God, the special holy dwelling place of the Most High. God lives within it. It cannot be moved. God rescues it at the break of dawn. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms are overthrown. God gives a shout. The earth dissolves. The Lord of heaven's armies is on our side. The God of Jacob is our protector. And another Selah. So, take a minute, pause, reflect on that. Share amongst the table, well, what did you see in there? Uh, what was God saying through the scripture in that passage? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
table concerning those that portion of Psalm 46. What were you talking about at your table? But, uh, oh. Yeah. Well, I just had a kind of interesting view when you read 6 and 7. The nations rage, the kingdom's daughter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. And I just find it funny how the order of that is action first, and then they believe. It's not like, oh, God's with us. We're going to go take, it's like, it's like God utters, the earth bells, and they're like, oh, God is with us. Like, he's with us. And uh, Ali was saying, it's kind of like uh, the city of Jericho. They kind of doubted the entire time when they were walking around the city. And then when the like, walls fell, they're like, God is with us. We're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I just find it funny. It's very... Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's very typical of us as humans. Even though the psalm starts off with God saying, "Hey, this is who I am," um, we aren't quick to believe that. We have to actually kind of catch up with that reality, and and usually it's twenty twenty. Yeah, or I'm sorry, twenty twenty. It's usually hindsight. I can say hindsight is usually twenty twenty. And spiritually, we see a lot more clearly after something has happened like that. Jonas. Sometimes how I operate, if circumstances are good, I tend to be doing pretty good. 
in a second circumstance of stink, then I'm kind of stinking a little bit too. And, and that, that happens in that, especially if we take our focus off of God and put it on the world, this, this noisy, tumultuous, raging world. And I'm glad you picked up on that too, that the nations rage. And, and, and that's been going on throughout all of history and will continue to go on until the end of history, these raging nations. Okay, anything else that you guys picked up on in this? I heard talking. So what were you sharing? Were you sharing recipes or something with each other? <laughs> and it's okay if you affirm something another table has already said, because you know that's part of what we do in community as God's people is agreement, and uh, and it's good to get affirmation. I mean, I guess that. Oh, Nathan's going to go twice because <laughs> nobody else. <knows. laughs> okay. um, what's kind of I think kind of the main focus is. Like a place of peace within like striving times. Uh, okay. And I was kind of talking how there's a river whose streams make love the city of God. Uh, if you have like a city with a river, you're in pretty good shape, especially in times of like war or anything, uh, just because you have like a water source. I just found it interesting how. There's almost trying to make this just like safe haven that cannot be destroyed, no matter like what's going on in the world. Yeah. Okay. All right. Also, Brian. I had vacation Bible school songs running through my head as soon as I read that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I got a river of spring up over. Yeah. That's a different generation. There's, pro- there's probably a bunch of, bunch of people going, what? <laughs> yeah. And I have to be careful here because this portion of Psalm 46 is where I can really geek out biblically. And, and I have a lot of fun with this thing. There is a lot of significance about Jerusalem and its water sources coming into it that are pretty amazing. And I don't have time to talk about that tonight. But um, but yeah, he's talking about Jerusalem there when he talks about the city of God and, his, and God's presence in that. Okay, anything else that you guys picked up on? Talked about, had questions about? Bridget. Um, I was drawn to the theme of water, how in the last stanza it was the source of the chaos, the, the waves crashing. But that same element in this next verse was very calming and peaceful and Okay, very good, very good. You guys are doing a great job of developing skills and studying your Bibles here because what you just picked up on is how the Bible uses transitions and contrasts in there. The first uh, stanzas we looked at, verses 1 through 3, talked about raging oceans and that kind of thing. And then suddenly it shifts to this calming, peaceful stream flowing in and providing life rather than threatening to destroy us. Um, so yeah, you noted that transition. You notice the, the transition of a troubled world in the first three verses. Remember that? This troubled world to the place where God dwells. You know, when, when, when all the world seems to be falling apart, it's pretty easy to think that's the way it is everywhere, and there is no safe place, there is no refuge. But we find out in the scripture that wherever God resides... That is where refuge is. That's where our safe place is. And in the Old Testament, it was Jerusalem. And it was God's heart that all the nations would come to Jerusalem, not to threaten her, but to come and to know who he is. And that was part of Israel's job, to help the nations know who God is. Well, that changed after Jesus Christ came. Because Jesus Christ came, mankind is now the dwelling place of God. It's no longer localized in a city. It's the city of God, so to speak, is, is humanity, and, and particularly humanity that believes in him. Humanity that has begun a relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and that is where you cannot be shaken. Just like Jerusalem could not be shaken, uh, mankind who believes in Christ cannot be shaken, though all the world should be uprising and, and throwing over. Um, there's a contrast between being not being moved, the city could not be moved because God dwelt there, and in verse 6, the nations being their kingdoms, being overthrown. So again, you see those, those contrasts and transitions that are happening. Um, we see that verse 6 also is a reprise of verses 2 through 3. 
If you go back and look at that, it's repeating something that was said there. And then did you note the contrast? I, I heard some people talking about that. Did you note the contrast between the rage of the nations and God's voice? Which is more powerful? The rage of the nations or the voice of God? All God had to do was shout. <laughs> and, and the earth comes undone. Okay, So again, we're getting this picture. Where do I go when things get tough? Where do I run from my safe place? It is, is it something of this world, which, which is falling apart anyway? Or is it God himself? When it seems that all the world is crumbling around you or rising up against you, do you find yourself moving towards God's presence? Or maybe drawn back from his presence. And, and, and that's a that's an honesty check for every one of us because I I'll, again I'll admit it that sometimes when life is kicking me in the teeth, I, I find myself drawing away from God instead of running to him. Okay? Alright, there's many ways to draw near to God. Many ways, and we're going to talk about that in the application part of this, this lesson here. And it's always interesting that once you turn towards God, you'll find out He never was really very far away. He never was that, that distant from us. Okay, next section. Let's start with this question. What do you think you need to do to find quietness in your soul so that you can res- recognize who God is? What do you think it's going to take for you to find this, this, this place of peace within you so that you're able to, to see God for who he truly is? Okay, let's look at the scripture. Uh, verse 8. Come, it says with an exclamation point. Witness the exploits of the Lord who brings devastation to the earth. He brings an end to wars throughout the earth. He shatters the bow and breaks the spear. He burns the shield with fire. He says, stop your striving and recognize that I am God. I will be exalted over the nations. I will be exalted over the earth. The Lord of heaven's armies is on our side. The God of Jacob is our protector, Selah. Okay, what did that passage just say to you? Talk about that with your table mates. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
jump in again, sorry. Um, something really cool happens here in Psalm 46. I'm interested to see if anybody picked up on that or caught that, but uh, what's what's some of the stuff you guys were just talking about? Share it with the rest of the room, Daniel. Um, I don't quite get a chance to share it, but um, I was just noticing how he brings in verse 10, he brings back nations, earth, and at the start of 8, he says, you know, he has brought desolation on the earth, and it just seems kind of like that he's the one who is bringing this trouble into the world so that he can be exalted by it. It's kind of a neat picture of being glorified in our brokenness. Okay. Okay, yeah, good. That was a good observation there. Good point. Okay, anything else? Well, we were, uh, we noticed in, at our table here that he's, this whole end here, um, it's described right at the very beginning. My, my version in here, it says, Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. And then it just kind of goes through and describes them. And they're all pretty harsh. And none of them are, like we were kind of talking about, none of them are like, let's just hug it out. We love each other. We're flowers. That is good. Okay. Um, it's the exact opposite. All right. All right. Our brokenness seems to require a pretty drastic action mm-hmm. that God has to take. Right, Brian? We were talking about kind of a, what we think is a translation issue here in verse ten. Um, you know, we uh, if you if you search Psalm forty six ten, you're going to find a lot of really peaceful memes that are out there that look like uh, the one that's up on the screen. You know, it's mm-hmm. a peaceful moment. Mm-hmm. But we think that God's saying, "You want to say it together?" We think that God's saying. Sit down and shut up. We <laughs> think that's better than what we got there. Okay. Like it's not just be still, guys, <laughs> and let and let them be. No, it's sit down, shut up, and know that I'm God. Okay. Because it flows with the rest of the rest of the text. All right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we sometimes miss that sort of thing, and again, the memes and the pictures and that might do the interpretation for us. Where actually the scripture is. Saying that God is, you know, it's we're almost like a bunch of fighting kids. You know, remember, you know, fighting with your siblings, and Dad comes in and says, you know, 
hey, you want to fight? Go outside and fight. No, <laughs> no, it's like, knock it off! You know, and you find out dad's dad, you know, and you stop fighting with each other kind of thing, at least while he's around. But this is what God is saying here. He says, what are you, what are you doing? You're, you're, the reason you guys are at each other's throats is because you've forgotten who I am. And when you forget who I am, you forget who you are and how you should treat each other. So, okay, I'm starting to do your work. What else did you see in that? That was good stuff, though, by the way. Jack? Um, I really like this. Um, you know, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. That kind of like, you know, like you think about all these wars and all this stuff. It's kind of like, while there are, there's a lot of death in those wars, there's a lot of stories that kind of show that God was in control, like Desmond Doss from like, you know, the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Or um, you know George Washington when it when um, and when he was under fire and he took off his coat after that coat after that there was like several bullet holes that just barely missed him and to say that that was just pure chance is just ridiculous. Okay, all right. So God is at work even in the midst of these wars and devastation that's happening there. All right, real quick, anything else? Because we have to wrap it up, and I want to honor our time. So. Okay, so here's something that's kind of cool here because it turned prophetic, this this poem did. And in Old Testament prophecy, it's always kind of like you're looking at two mountain peaks. You know, have you ever done that? You got on the hills and you see this horizon ahead of you, and if you go just a little bit further, you find out there's another horizon beyond it. Yet. And that's kind of the way Old Testament prophecy works. It's like there's a near mountain peak of fulfillment, and there's a, a an even further off mountain peak of greater fulfillment that's going to happen here. The language of this psalm suddenly went into end times. You know, it went to present troubles into something that's going to happen even further on down the road. And there's this other transition that happened throughout this psalm. There's like there's there was these transitions from a troubled world to a safe place, and now to a time coming when. When there will be the end of all things broken. The end of all things broken. And when that happens, you know, that's going to be a God saying, sit down, shut up moment sort of thing when, when that, when that, uh, when that occasion, uh, hits. When it talks about God bringing devastation, it's talking about an utter undoing of things. And if you've read the, the end of the Bible, if you've gone through Revelation, you're going to see a pretty descriptive um, narrative of this utter undoing of this broken world. The end of wars, that means there's going to be a cessation of, of broken, or I should say of human brokenness, and, and there's no longer going to be a need for the armory that the Korathites had. They're talking about their own weapons there. They're saying there's going to come a time when we don't have to be the gatekeepers to protect the temple of God, because God is going to make that go away. That threat will be no more. And we'll just be able to sing instead of have to stand here and be ready to fight. Uh, Verse 10, the first part of verse 10 brings to us the great tumult, or I'm sorry, the great contrast of this psalm of tumult versus a quietness, a stillness, where God's basically saying, hey world, just sit down and shut up for a minute and listen. And in the second part of verse 10, uh, we see that God starts to demonstrate to us his heart cry for this world. And and if this is a fun thing to do. Start reading through the Bible, Genesis all the way through Revelation, and note how many times God makes this heart cry. And it's basically this. I want the nations to know who I am. Because he's not just the God of Israel. And he's not just the God of, of, this, of a church. <laughs> he is the God of this entire world. And ever since the fall of man, all that God has ever wanted, his great passion, was for fallen mankind to know who he is. It was Israel's job to help the world know that, just like it's the church's job today to help the world to know this. Now, here's an interesting thing about this near fulfillment and this far-off fulfillment. I've talked a little bit about that far-off time and the the end of the age. Um, King Hezekiah reigned during the Assyrian Empire. 
and the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, tried to come down to Jerusalem to wipe, to wipe Hezekiah and Jerusalem out. And God did something pretty amazing. You can, you can read this in the Old Testament yourself. One angel. One angel. And remember what it says several, a couple of times in this psalm that God is the Lord of heaven's armies? One warrior from heaven's armies destroyed 185,000 of Sennacherib's men. One angel. That's God saying, hey world, remember who I am. Remember who I am. That's a very small fulfillment or a very small picture of an even greater fulfillment that is to come. So, when it seems that all the world is crumbling around you or rising up against you, do you add to the turmoil? Or do you seek to bring the good news of peace to all peoples by instead of rising up against something, by rising up Christ? Because that's really what this psalm is saying at the end. I will be raised up. And Jesus even said it himself. I will be raised up and I will draw all men, all nations to myself. So how do we apply all of this? Okay. There's a lot of things we talked about here. I mean, what do we do when life kicks us in the teeth? What do we do when things get scary? How do we draw near to God? What are ways that, that we can do that? Um, how do we how do we go off into a world to, to echo the heart cry of God's heart? The cry of God's heart. How do we how do we go into this very troubled, scary place um, and say, look, there's good news. There's hope. There's a savior. There's a strong refuge. There's, there's a place where we can find help. How do we do that? Okay, I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Just talk at your tables. What are some ways that we can do those things? What, what's something you can take home uh, to put wheels on this, so to speak? And we got to go quick because I'm over time. <laughs> Just looked at the clock. I'm going to jump in. Um, I want to encourage you to, uh, after the service, I mean, you've got a whole weekend ahead of you. Get together with people from your table. Maybe even straight from here, go someplace, grab a bite to eat or something to drink or something like that. Sit down and keep talking about these things because this is important. We've got to figure out, what do I do? What do I do with what God's Word has just said? So just real quick, let's see if we can do this. One thing, one thing from a table. Um, and, and then one thing from another table. We'll see if we can get our full full table report. What's one thing we can do? This table. Okay, uh, 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 while he recovers from his shock. <laughs> Brian. We talked about reminding each other what God says more often. Okay. Like, when you're having a tough day, what does God say about that? Like, telling each other what God says about that. 
Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. That's kind of what we talked. That's what we talked about. Totally. Right. Cheater. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> having, having conversations. So having Don't good, mind, good conversations. Okay. Okay, sorry. So remind each other about who God is and what He does. Have conversations about this stuff. That's good. Draw near to God in conversing with one another. All right. Other tables. We got three other tables. What'd you get? Uh, for me, I'll just read it right. What okay. Just a moment ago, um, I couldn't get the idea that uh, the water was somebody in their faith, um, and so just making the conscious effort. Are you being, at this moment in time in your life, and this, whatever's going on, are you being the seeds that are churning and causing chaos and destruction? Or are you being the calm stream flowing towards God that is proper? Okay, all right, very good. Going before God and saying, yeah, who am I? <laughs> what am I doing here? All right? Anything from either of these two tables? Nothing? Nobody wants to volunteer? It's okay, there's no bad ideas. Well, yeah, there are. <laughs> okay, Matt. I just said it. This would be a great verse to start every morning off by reading it and praying. Pray it over your day. All right. Very good. Very good. They're a very practical thing to do. Just crack open Psalm 46, read it, and pray it. Uh, pray this passage over your day as you enter into it. That's that's good stuff. Okay, one last chance. Anything from this table? Wanna I honestly talk a lot, which is not, uh, like, it's pretty usual. But, um... <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> Nobody's arguing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, it was mostly just like uh, gaining perspective and like taking a moment to realize like where you're at right now in this moment is not going to be the reality for 35, 40 years. So like taking that moment and like we were talking about like finding the happiness of your day and like uh, talking with people and like just perspective shift, I guess. Okay, all right. Perspective. Get a new perspective. And again, you know, draw near to God. You do that by reading His Word. You do that by praying. You do that by worshiping it. You do that by fellowshipping and having conversations and talking about things and encouragement. So many ways that you can do this. Um, I want to just close with this. It is not in the tumult and the great noise of of this world that we're going to recognize God. It's going to be in the quietness of our souls. You know, and, and... we have to figure out how to do that. God has made us capable to be still. And, uh, and either he has to shout us down, <laughs> or we make the choice to say, God, I'm coming before you in the quiet of the day, in the quiet of the evening, whatever time it might be for us that works best. And, and I just want to see you. I just want to know who you are. Um, the, the Lord of hosts was mentioned twice in this, and I want to just, just close with this idea because of that. Lord of hosts, that means the, the captain of heaven's armies. All right? Um, though that, that army makes a pretty strong appearance twice. In the first advent, which we celebrate as Christmas, and in the second advent, when Jesus comes and the end of all things broken occurs. All right? Um, one angel... One angel could take out 185,000 of the Assyrian army, the most feared army at that time, that, that period of history. One angel. Jesus said he could call 20,000 plus if he needed them. That's all he has to do. He's in command of all those armies. That army showed up the night Jesus was born. That army shows up again when Jesus returns. Okay? I want to read something to you. And I want you to keep the, the heading of this psalm in mind as I read it. This is from Revelation 14. Remember the Korahites and the Alamoth style, the harps and the virgins and everything? Then I looked and behold on Mount Zion, the place where God dwells. On Mount Zion stood the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven. Remember that, that shout from God? <laughs> I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Now, it is these who have not been defiled, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. 
These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. And those who are called the first fruits of the Lamb are always those who go into the world to tell the world about the Lamb. Okay? So, here's the best thing about, you know, who is this 144,000? Well, there's lots of ideas about that, but here's the main thing. It's these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. This lamb is the Lord of the nations. And his heart is for every nation in this world to know him. Will we follow the lamb into this world? Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this psalm, we can see that you are our defense. No matter what's going on in life, no matter what's happening in this world, you are our refuge. You are a place when there's a roar of trouble around us that we can find stillness and peace and quietness where we're able to recognize who you are. Lord, you're also the God who allows us into your presence. Uh, The only way that we can experience this quietness in our souls is through We can only apprehend that through faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, by trusting in Christ, you allow us into your presence where we will not be moved. And Lord, you are the God who is lifted high and exalted over all the earth. Nothing is mightier than you. Nothing is stronger than you. And frankly, God, nothing is scarier than you. And because you are this God, who should we be? Well, we should be people that follow Jesus wherever he goes. And if he's going to places in this world to let people know who he is, then Lord, we should be following him there. So let us be those people that no matter how the nations rage, no matter how the mountains may shake and totter, no matter how the seas and oceans may roar and foam, May we be found walking in the wake of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Sorry we went over time on that. I encourage you to hang out. Have a great weekend. Uh, Continue in these conversations. Continue in your time with Psalm 46 and dig deeper into that. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.